listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 AM to 9 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Live, a program focused on promoting a spirit of mission among the people of God in the Archdiocese of Chicago. My name is Megan Mio. I'm coordinator in the mission office. Our engineer this morning is Mike. You are listening to WNDZ 750 AM. We hope you will join us every third Thursday of the month from 830 to 9 AM. This month, I'm pleased to have with me by phone Josh Goralski, founder and CEO of Unlocking Communities, a nonprofit social enterprise working to provide Haitian church communities the tools and resources necessary to be their own catalysts for economic, social, and environmental change. Welcome, Josh. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you here. Awesome. I first met Josh a couple years ago while he was a grad student, and even then I could see his passion for global mission. Unlocking Communities is a locally based missionary organization that participated in our 2020 mission cooperation plan. Unfortunately, we were unable to hold the mission appeals in person this past year due to the pandemic, so our causes shared electronic versions of their appeals. And Josh provided our parishes with a beautiful video and excellent summary of the work he does. But I wanted to give, give him, um, have him on the show today so that he could share that message a little more widely. I know he has a lot of good news to share about how Unlocking Communities is growing. So to get us started, Josh, um, tell us where the idea for Unlocking Communities came from and what it has developed into. Yeah, the idea for Unlocking Communities came really out of decades of involvement I've had in mission in various forms. Since the time I was a little kid, I remember volunteering with local missions with my parents and family members. And then when I was about eight years old, we actually hosted a missionary priest from Haiti in my house. And that kind of instilled this idea of international mission and international service to to me, which I then took and kind of ran with and went to got involved in doing some local mission work growing up and had the opportunity to travel to Haiti in 2009 before the major earthquake and then in 2011 after the earthquake. And on the 2011 trip with some people from my university in Kansas City, we kind of pieced together some thoughts and it kind of occurred to me after that trip and reflecting upon what I heard from the local people, this idea of really subsidiarity and mm-hmm. focusing on economic opportunity that more than anything, all these great people of faith down there wanted was job opportunities mm-hmm. and to start their own businesses. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, and that 
that that comes from meeting people, right? Talking to people. Exactly. Yeah, getting... that was a trip where we were just listening for a whole week. It was wonderful. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we in the mission office try as much as possible um, when we hear about parishes and other organizations sending people on these mission called mission immersions. You know, it's more about just listening and being with people than it is about doing something, you know, while mm-hmm. you're there. Yeah, it's all know. about the being. Yeah, wow, wow, wow. And now, I presume you said, you know, you worked with a lot of different people um, in these early stages. Um, you're working with a staff or a board now that, that continues yeah. to support the work? Yeah, definitely. So I'm blessed to have a director of operations, Julia Homeworth, here, based locally in Chicago, helping run kind of the United States fundraising operation and kind of doing a lot of the thought leadership behind the work. And then an incredible board of directors here from a wide variety of backgrounds and expertise mm-hmm. areas, and several have been heavily involved in different churches in the Chicago area. Mm-hmm. And then a fantastic staff in Haiti. It was actually that first missionary priest that I met when I was eight years old, that introduced me to someone 20 years later, my country director, Ernst Silvan in Haiti. And he leads all of our work in Haiti, along with a great team and staff of staff and interns that guide our work. Yeah, everybody working together. Now, you mentioned that the big issue was work and owning your own business. So what exactly, um, what are the focuses of currently of unlocking communities then in Haiti? Yeah, so our our main focus is kind of a hybrid program where on that trip in Haiti, there's a huge need for clean water, Megan, and everyone. About half of Haiti does not have clean water. About 5 million people do not have access to clean drinking water. And that results, as I dug into it economically, it results in people having to spend a significant part of their income, $150 or more a year on bottled water. And when I learned that there are locally made water filtration systems that can be sold to a family for about $40 and paid for over the course of a few months, that these systems just haven't achieved penetration into communities and that there were so many communities in Haiti where people wanted access to buy these systems, but they didn't have anyone in the town selling them. And so we paired that with this desire that I heard in this on that trip back in 2011 for business education training and came up with this program where we enter and we engage and walk in solidarity with so many churches of all different denominations in Haiti Mm. and help them to form local businesses and we conduct entrepreneurship training with local people in the communities and then give them a loan of water filtration systems and clean burning stoves to sell and they go out to their, their communities and sell them on what's called microloans, which are loans that can be repaid small amounts at a time over time back. So it takes them about three to six months to pay for the loans. Yeah, it's very realistic. It's, it's you know, it, like you said, uh, a subsidiary. You're, you're working with these local communities. People are uh, building on, on success with one another. That's awesome. Now, I, I mentioned at the beginning that this economic, which it sounds like you already talked about, social and environmental change. Um, that Unlocking Communities is focused on. Um, how, how do each of these, you've already mentioned the economic piece, um, but, but the social and environmental, how do these fit into your mission? Yeah, the, I mean, the economic, the economic piece is really key, right? Because one of the factors is, you know, we, we live in economies where, where you do need money to survive. And so the, yeah. the con- economic piece is really central to our work. And mm-hmm. money builds dignity, I believe, too, in, in an aspect because it gives people the freedom to tr- choose. And then the environmental piece is also huge. So there was a Haitian who said, 
they don't have a recycling system in Haiti, and they hate burning all the plastic water bottles because mm-hmm. they know it's not healthy to breathe in the plastic. Mm-hmm. And the same with a lot of the smoke from cooking over charcoal. And for those of you who might not know, I didn't know when I first started that charcoal is only produced by cutting down trees. And so in Haiti, it's led to massive deforestation problems over time. Haiti is now, I think, 95% deforested, it's estimated. If you look at an aerial map compared to the Dominican Republic, it's like green on one side of the island and completely brown on the other side of the island. Mm-hmm. So, And the social piece is that education piece, Megan, that I was touch, touched on earlier with you. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Now, and I, you've also said that your work is built upon and inspired by Catholic social teaching. This is one of the least well-known aspects of our faith. And I know that you have a master's in um, social justice from Loyola University, Chicago. So please tell us, how do you understand these principles and, and how are they applying with this work? Yeah, I, I was alluding to subsidiarity, preferential option for the poor, and really, you know, Catholic social teaching, I say, is one of the best kept secrets of the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And if any of you are interested on LinkedIn, I wrote a piece uh, over the summer mm-hmm. published on LinkedIn about the principles of Catholic social teaching integrated into our work. And it's those principles of preferential option for the poor, subsidiarity, um, and then really listening, I call listening first and having the ability to really put put, put, just listen and see how we can connect the dots. Mm -hmm. That these are documents, Megan, that the Church has talked about for hundreds of years and is simply put into action and that it's, it's been the anchor of my Catholic faith for decades now, my whole life, basically. And so really getting to live that out through an organization while also recognizing in a country like Haiti, it's hard because um, you know, churches can also divide people based on what denomination you're a part of, and so mm-hmm. we try to bring those denominations together. So our model is informed and based in Catholic social teaching, wow. and we work to really unite all the different denominations to work under a common mission for their community of business transformation and and getting clean water to their to the people in their communities. Yeah, you're not pitting one community against another. You know, nobody's benefiting while somebody else is, um, you know, uh, suffering in some way um, mm-hmm. through these different practices. Um, and I was just going to ask, too, you know, you're, you said you're working with church communities. Uh, I, wonderful to hear that you're, you're working with a variety of denominations because I know that, that that can be a hindrance to mission. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. Is, <laughs> is um, creating that animosity uh, between churches when really the goals are, are very much the same mm-hmm. um, in terms of uh, the social, economic, and environmental yeah. goals. Um, what would you say is the benefit of working with church communities? Uh, in so our, our models, the part I didn't get to share as much is, you know, through this dignity of work, which is another element of Catholic social teaching, and also, you know, caring for creation, which the Haitian people are really passionate about. And they'll tell you that they're already seeing the impacts of climate change. And getting to work with all the different churches is the pastors have the most trust in the community. The pastors are trusted more than any mayor, any local individual. So to integrate these communities and to really work with them and to help people understand you need to trust. And so we trust our entrepreneurs, and our entrepreneurs have are trusted by the people that they're selling to. And so our model is this beautifully woven circle of trust, I call it. And that is the biggest piece of social capital we can have in communities. Wow. Well, and actually, just before we take our first break here, or our break, um, 
the name Unlocking Communities. Uh, where did that come from? Yeah, it, it actually fun fun story when we were kind of coming up with the idea. The name is actually the last thing that we came up with, oh. and 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 it was really from like this idea of that all we're doing is we're helping turn that key, that one little turn, that that, that the community members have that potential, really, that, that it's all in their hands, not the community. And all we are is we're that conduit to connect them to the resources they need, right? We're not even really giving financial resources. We're, we're sharing knowledge, and we're sharing access to products that are needed by people in the communities and are good for the environment. Wow. Awesome. That's that's awesome. And actually, that, that, that wasn't my hope that we could talk about this catalyst for change, because that is a big piece of unlocking mm-hmm. communities. So uh, you're the key that's turning and, and unlocking yeah. the communities. That's great. Uh, well, it's time for our break now, uh, but we'll be back in just a moment to continue our discussion of catalysts for change in mission. Stay tuned. It's a new year. Many of us are making goals, trying to stay healthy, and planning for ways to make the most of every day during and after the pandemic. At Catholic Charities, we continue to meet people who are struggling to meet their basic needs, like housing, food, and stability in their lives. In these challenging times, the face of need is your neighbor, and the face of hope is you. Imagine how the world would look if we all saw each other as neighbors. Learn more at catholiccharities.net. On Friday, January 22nd at 12 o'clock p.m., the Archdiocesan Mass for Life will be live-streamed from Holy Name Cathedral. Celebrated by Bishop Kevin Birmingham, along with priests from across the Archdiocese of Chicago, it will be held on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade and the eve of the final event of the March for Life Chicago Tour. Please join us. The Mass will be live-streamed on the Archdiocesan YouTube channel. For more information and to register to attend, please visit respectlifechicago slash events. Catholic Charities 20th Annual Divine Affair will be held on Saturday, January 30th as a very special virtual event. Fantastic packages are available to make your in-home participation incredibly festive and memorable. In past years, over 400 guests have come together to sample elegant wines and the latest craft beers from over 90 vintners and brewers from around the world. Enticing raffles and special guests will help to make this 20th annual celebration extraordinary. Proceeds of Divine Affair go to Catholic Charities self-sufficiency programs that have helped thousands of individuals gain their confidence and start on a new path towards independence. Join us for this fabulous winter event. For more information, go to catholiccharities.net or call 847-814-3839. That's 847-814-3839. We look forward to seeing you on January 30th. Cheers! Welcome back to Mission Matters Live. If you're just tuning in, I am Megan Meal, coordinator for the Mission Office, 
and you're listening to WNDZ 750 AM. I'm speaking with Josh Goralski, founder and CEO of Unlocking Communities, a nonprofit organization working currently in Haiti to partner for economic, social, and environmental change. We're talking about being a catalyst for change. Um, before the break, Josh was telling us about the origins and his current model for the work of Unlocking Communities, which is um, based so much on the Catholic social teaching principles. Um, but to continue our, our discussion uh, and understanding a little bit more about what you do, Josh, um, can you tell us about the communities and the partners you work with? You know, Tell us about the peoples of Haiti that you've worked with, those communities. Yeah, and you mentioned a very key word there. You said we're currently in Haiti. Yeah. I have a lot of hopes and dreams of expanding to other places in a minute. I'm in some really exciting conversations and hope to have some exciting news to announce later this year about where unlocking communities will be sharing our model with next. You know, when, when you're a leader like this and when we've pioneered a model in one of the hardest to work countries in the world, a lot of people from around the world have come to us and said, hey, can you consider working here or can you consider working in this mission land or that mission land? Mm -hmm. So um, it's going to be really exciting to see where we end up next. But to your question about the partners, it's, you know, as we were talking before the break, it's all those different churches and leaders mm -hmm. and the pastors of all different denominations and priests and diocesan leaders who really, to us, help motivate their community. Two years ago, when we were really starting out, I was at a mass in a town, and I won't forget how passionately the priest spoke about our work and got up in front of everyone that was there and for about 10 minutes went on about the importance of this and what we also call mentality change because we also do in our work kind of see the dark side of missions gone wrong yeah. and when communities have been given away a lot of things for free they think they're waiting for a water filter to like drop out of the sky into their hands for free and so when we right. say do you want to buy one? They're like, shouldn't it be free? Because my neighbor got one from, for free from some other organization. But of course, yeah. no organization had enough money to give everyone in the town a water filter. So there's always unmet need less. And then there's mm -hmm. this kind of inequality created. So really helping people understand the dignity piece that becomes comes from owning your own water filtration system or clean burning stove. And research will actually show, too, is that the people that purchase one with their own money actually use that water filtration system for a much longer time and take care of it and maintain it more than someone who is just given one for free. And so really it's these people of all different faith communities that, that go door-to-door -door in their communities and educating. But as I cannot emphasize enough how much it's all based on our country director, Ernst Sylvan, mm -hmm. and he grew up in the Catholic Church and really has leveraged some of the connections he knew to help spread the word about our work and then the network of people that he's found in all different communities across Haiti. And they're so passionate. And I've had the blessing to travel to about 16 countries around the world. And Haiti is the most entrepreneurial-driven country I've had been to out of all the countries. There is, oh. there is something that, you know, going through so many natural disasters and man-made disasters and mm -hmm. disasters created by organizations, uh, that resilience happens, right? And the ability to be resilient, it's not necessarily good that they've had this much experience at it, but um, resiliency and that determination, that drive is really inspiring to see. Wow. Yeah. 
Um, now, I, I know you also work with other partners, um, other organizations that have supported supported and, and invested in the work that mm-hmm. you do as well? Yeah, so a lot of churches that have partnerships, and we're always open to talking to more, there's some churches in the Chicago area and in the Midwest who have a relationship called a twinning relationship with a parish in Haiti or who are looking to have a relationship with a community abroad. And we work through that local community down there to help bring access to clean water and educational opportunities to the people in their community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah putting putting these social teachings to work um and uh, and and getting to know these communities, um, I think I, I mentioned at the start of the show. I'll say it again. You know, these opportunities for mission aren't just an opportunity to to go and, and do something. Like you said, sometimes I hate to use the term, but the handout. You know, uh-huh. handing something to someone is not the same as really saying let's let's get to know each other. Let's let's do something together, or yeah, um, solve these problems in a, a more creative way. Now, I'm sure everyone's thinking, you know, how has COVID affected your work uh, in 2020? And to your knowledge, how are the people of, of Haiti impacted by the pandemic? Yeah, so I had the blessing to travel to Haiti to kind of work with our country director in early December. And I've recently been reading a few articles, too, in that Luckily, Haiti has not been directly impacted as much in terms of number of cases from COVID. Mm-hmm. There, I think, recorded are over about 10,000 cases of COVID in Haiti that, mm-hmm. that have been, but that's really low and probably very understated because of the inability to do large-scale testing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the country's, again, appeared resilient and hasn't had the direct health-related consequences. You haven't seen mass, mass casualties in the country due to COVID. And it's, it, there's, there's no real reason. Every, the scientists are really interested to do a study in Haiti post-COVID to understand really why. Mm-hmm. There was an influx of cases in the beginning because of all the migrant workers who work in the Dominican Republic but are mm-hmm. from Haiti. And after they got laid off from their tourism jobs in the Dominican Republic, they mm-hmm. came back to Haiti and brought the virus back with them. But since then, they've really been able to maintain it, and they actually have had quite the screening processes at the airport and for, you know for a country with very little infrastructure they've been doing all they can and so it's been really inspiring but you know they've been impacted and we oftentimes forget that economic impact that even if you hear oh the virus hasn't been as bad there's economic impacts been the same as been here due to a lack and the, the little bit of tourism that they have again all the people who work in the Dominican Republic and then the fluctuation in prices for things has certainly made everything more difficult. And Haiti as well stopped school again for three-plus months this last year. Mm-hmm. And so that was another impact. And that's right after a three-month school closing last year due to political instability in the country. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah, I think some of this impact is it's something we, we haven't even seen yet. It's going to continue to reverberate. Mm-hmm. Has, has Unlocking Communities done had any effort toward... Um, you know, health uh, practices. Um, yeah. Also, yeah. Glad, you, glad you mentioned. So this year we actually teamed up with a great company that was founded out of the Chicago, founded by someone who grew up in a Catholic church in the Chicago suburbs, so-called Soapbox Soaps. Mm. And with their partnership, we produced 1,800 gallons of soap locally in Haiti, paid oh. local people to produce it, and have sent that soap to partners, to hospitals, to schools, to other organizations all across the central part of Haiti. We also helped facilitate through Catholic churches 600 hand washing stations getting distributed, mm. and over 10,000 Haitians received educational materials by our entrepreneurs as well. 
to help combat COVID. So we were mm-hmm. just a small part of a massive effort in the beginning. And sure. I think that's another reason that COVID stayed kind of as low as it has. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, being able to adapt uh, to the circumstances is key to to mission. Um, now we have about five minutes left. I just want to give you that note. Um, but I want to make sure we have this time to talk about how your work has expanded and grown over the past year. This is great news. What are some of your, so what have you accomplished and what are some of your goals going forward? Yeah, yeah. So we've accomplished, you know, we've seen both all the COVID-19 impact, which we really prioritized early in the year. Mm-hmm. Last year, we sold over 860 water filtration systems, over 410 clean burning stoves. We funded five business plans, resulting in $20,000 in loan, direct loans to people to grow their businesses in Haiti as well. Mm-hmm. So we sold now over to date over 1,500 water filtration systems. And this year, we're actually looking to grow by over over 100%. By the end of this year, our hope is to have impacted over 5,000 people with clean water in Haiti and um, over 5,000 more families with clean water, sorry. And we will, by the end of 22, hopefully impact over 135,000 people with clean water in two countries. And this will lead to the equivalent of 95,000 adult tree years being saved and economically lead to $20 million in direct cost savings from not having to buy bottled water. Oh, my goodness. How do you... So we're going going from 10 communities to 40 communities this year is our goal. Oh, okay. I mean, that's that's a big scale up, right? Are you thinking that that you'd also be having having more staff or having more... So last year was just me, really, and a, and a part-time, and part-time director of operations. And this year, we have a full-time director of operations. We're undergoing an expansion of our staff in Haiti. And, but, but most of the work is all done by the entrepreneurs in the community. So we'll go from having about 100 entrepreneurs to having, you know, four to 500 at least entrepreneurs by the end of the year, if not more. And entrepreneurs, those are the folks who are, are literally going and bringing these, these locally – or, you know, locally made products to mm-hmm. their neighbors, basically, yep, right? They're, yep, they're, they work in their community. Their territory is just their community. And, you know, they use this as supplemental income. We didn't talk too much about the commissions that they earn from mm-hmm. selling the systems. Right. But they really use that commission as kind of supplemental income. In Haiti, it's very rare that you have a full-time job. Rather, you have a farm, you have two or three jobs or two or three kind of income sources. And so this fits culturally into their kind of in- income sources as well. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so so how do you, you you've, you've developed these goals based on, um, you know, you're just seeing the success of, of the areas that you've worked in and, and yeah. there's interest, like you said, there are folks who but are asking. Of course. And it's also, you know, based on everyone's support who can support us. So please, anyone who's listening out there, go to our website, unlockingcommunities.org and make a donation if you're interested or learn about other ways you can get engaged. But it's also we're also scaling quickly because we want to move the needle on this problem, Megan. A lot of organizations, they small and they do great work, but they never scale to actually move the needle on the macro problem. And we want to scale to move the needle on the macro problem. And the other way we can do that is as we scale, we will actually become a sustainable business, too. Because we are selling these products, we can achieve sustainability. However, we aren't operating at what's called in the business term an economy of scale right now. So it's inefficient. It's more inefficient for us to operate than when we're selling 5,000, 10,000 water filters a year. It will be much more efficient to operate. We can drop the cost of the products to the people in Haiti and also continue to cover all of our in-country costs off of that operation. 
Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, Josh, it's awesome. How do you Thank feel? Thank you so much. <laughs> I feel great. I feel great. It's such an honor to do this work. So thank you. That's awesome. Thanks for having me. I'd love to come back and dive into it more. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can continue. I mean, you've got some more developments that, that we'll want to hear about how they go. I do want to remind our listeners, uh, as Josh said, uh, it was on my, my plan to say this, to go uh, to unlockingcommunities.org. You can learn a little bit more about the work and, and the, the folks that Josh works with and Josh himself. Um, and, and you can see that video. Um, I mentioned that Josh uh, and his team prepared for the mission appeals in 2020. Um, uh, and also look for Unlocking Communities and Josh Kralski on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. You mentioned uh, an article on LinkedIn um, earlier that you said talked about social teaching, the social teachings and the work that you do. Um, so feel free to look him up as well to learn a little bit more. Well, Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I, I'm sure our listeners have learned a little something about being a catalyst for change by hearing you today. Um, so you learn more or donate uh, at unlockingcommunities.org and see that beautiful video on the webpage as well. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Great. Don't forget to tune in next month for more Mission Matters Live. Thank you for listening. And remember, always be on mission. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.